Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from sloppy slashing to sleeping slouchers, and today we're talking about D. Is it like that? Is it slotty? I think it's slotty. Slotty. Yeah. I mean, also you could just say slods, but um, but I, I you say it almost like you're saying Sade, and it's hilarious. Yeah, that's kind of what Slade. I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do. That was all on the podcast, by the way. Go ahead and start the show. All right. Hey, Brad. Hey, Will. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, How I'm are you? I'm doing pretty good, too. I'm great. hoping this caffeine kicks in. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's get a mid-episode jump out of you. Yeah, That'd let's, be great. please. Yeah. Um, slot, slot, slot D. I think it's slotty. 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 Like, like slutty, but slotty. Slotty. In today's episode, <laughs> we are journeying back into the outer planes. Okay. And one we have spent very little time in up to this point, the ever-changing chaos of Limbo. This is the outer plane attuned to the alignment of chaos and chaos alone. It is the polar opposite of Mechanus, the outer plane of law, and is made up of ever-transforming bits of forests, mountains, ruined structures, and isolated islands, drifting through a tumult of fire, water, earth, and wind. Nice. Okay, cool. Really cool. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) And the reason we have come to this terrible, terrible place is to talk about the terrible and foremost inhabitants of this inhospitable plane, the toad-like slotty. 
Okay, I was like, oh, is this a Planes episode? I was like, wait, isn't this a monster? It, is a, it monster. is a monster. It is a monster episode. It's yeah. a monster. It's just, this is where they live. Oh, wow. Okay. Evolved and uplifted from the primordial soup of infinite potential that is their home plane, these belligerent and bizarre creatures are disorder, literally given flesh, and are born carriers of chaos. As beings of illogical, uh, uh, as beings of illogic and chaos, they are difficult to understand or make sense of, but are divided into a variety of color variants. Red, blue, green, gray, and death. Okay. <laughs> My favorite color, death. Yeah. Um, it's almost like brown it's... and black and gray. Yeah, sure. And green as one color. <laughs> Still, even these basic categor- categorizations are not an entirely accurate way to divide up their ranks. Basically, everything I'm going to say about the Slotty is generally true, but keep in mind that there are many contradictions and exceptions to all my statements, such as the nature of these guys. <clears throat> Lastly, is, oh, is that because of the uh, like different lore? No, no, lore, no. Or? For once, it's not that. It's just no. That's just the way these guys are. There's they're widely they they're variated. They're they, widely varying. There's no one rule that applies to most of them. Okay, okay. I'm that sure that we. Sense. I'm sure it will come to make sense. Yeah. in, in time. <clears throat> Uh, and before we simply dive into it, I will say that the Slotty are, in fact, a D&D original created by Charles Strauss and published in the TSR UK book Fiend Folio, Tome of Creatures Malevolent and Benign back in 1981. I have seen the Fiend Folio. Well, there I've are many Fiend Folios. Yes, yes. I know right. of the Fiend Folio. Yeah. Usually when you say things on the show, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Oh, I don't yeah. Know. You're like, I it's understand like, this reference. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's true. Yes. <laughs> America's ass. Oh, wait. wait a second. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Slotty, in their most common form and how they are most often depicted as, resemble large, monstrous, bipedal frogs with long, sharp claws, wide mouths filled with pointed teeth, and huge heads. Basically, they look very much like the toads from Battle Toads. If the toads from Battle Toads were also monstrous, horrific-looking fiends. Battle Toads. Let me look up. I do not remember remember Battle Toads. Oh no! I'm okay. gonna look up Battle. You toads go ahead and look up Battle Toads. You said it so many. Times. Is there any way you can pull up on the big screen so I can yeah, see what I you're can, looking at? I yeah, can. I want to. I want to see this. Uh, okay, there we go. So pull up. Pull up a big old Battle Toads here. Battle Toads. Is this what you mean? Yeah, These guys here? they look a lot like the Battle Toads. If the Battle Toads were more like demonic and fiendish looking. What? Yeah, it almost looks like a Ninja Turtle. Especially in this picture. I mean, picture. I don't see how they look like Ninja Turtles. They're just buff frogmen. They're Ninja Turtles from the neck down, essentially, to me. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah. All right, moving on, moving on. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Wait, uh, no, when was it made? Uh, 1981, uh, the Slotty were made? Yeah. Damn it, Will. What about the joke? I'm so, oh, the 1990s? 1991. No. Remember Battletoads from the 1990s? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. All right, back to Slotty. Yes, please. Um, most Slotty <clears throat> are born with a gemstone the size of a child's fist embedded into their skull. This jewel shares their specific color and is visible beneath the skin of their forehead. Each Slotty gem has a unique set of symbols carved into it, marking the Slotty for who they are. We will explain this a bit more later. Okay. So, despite generally sharing the same basic, if baffling, biological appearance, Slotty are nonetheless creatures of chaos and thus can have wildly differences between them. Uh, this can be differences in height, build, and eye position, even within their own subtype. Other potential differences include additional body parts and organs and wholly unique features like horns, scales, tails, and hair. Uh, more outlandish traits, such as blade-like claws, wings, whether functional or not, and even a Medusa snake-like hair are also fully possible if rare. Okay. So um, they can be anything and everything. Okay. So I know that we are... We've talked about Limbo before, but we mm-hmm. haven't had like an episode on Limbo, have mm-hmm. we? But... Mm-hmm. In the Gith episodes, I think we talked uh, about Limbo. Gith Zarai. Gith Zarai. Yeah. Okay. And I know that things are fucked up there. 
like yes. how you'd explain in the opener as well. Mm-hmm. Is this have to do their variation have to do with limbo, the chaos of limbo? Yeah, right? they're born of chaos. It's like how demons are born of the abyss. Yeah. And thus they are very chaotic evil inherently, uh-huh. both in form and personality. Okay. Same with the slotty. Okay. Except for not the evil part. They're just chaotic. You said it almost sounds like slutty, and now I can't under <laughs> you saying slutty for a lot of this. So I'll, Sorry, man. I'll try to pull up. The plane's crashing, but... <laughs> so let's do a brief overview of the basic five types of slod. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Okay, I see. <laughs> wow. Curveball, man. Really <laughs> Starting really with, with red slotty. I see. So a red slotty looks like a roughly humanoid red-skinned toad with almost no neck and a massive flat head. Mm-hmm. It is bipedal with clawed hands and feet. The hands and the digits on them are particularly large. A human would stand only about as high as the creature's shoulder. Weakest of the slotty, the reds wander about individually, often establishing secret layers on other planes. Most seek to escape from the other more powerful and sometimes cruel slotty. A red slot is about 8 feet tall, weighs about 650 pounds, and as its name suggests, a red slot is mostly red, darker along the back and paler around the belly. Red slotty are found in groups only when working for some greater power that somehow has mastered them. Even then, they don't coordinate actions very well. Okay, so they're solo dolo a lot of the time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, these guys don't work well together because they're so chaotic. So uh, it's like Charles Strauss watched Battletoads and then like modeled it after D&D dragon colors or something like that. You know, like... Maybe. D&D, like how... They really are splitting it up into like... They like to color code things. Yeah, they do. Yeah, because like it's easy different. for people to remember. It is. It's a cool thing. Yeah. So next right. is Blue Slotty. Okay. Uh, this hulking creature looks like a strapping blue skinned humanoid toad, as big as an ogre, with almost no neck and a massive flat head. It is bipedal with clawed hands and feet. It has wicked looking bony horns on the on it, the backs of its hands. Blue Slotty gather to wage horrific battles against other societies and their own. Um, they are bullies that value only strength and power. A blue slot is about 10 feet tall and very broad. It weighs about 1,000 pounds. As its name suggests, a blue slot is mostly blue, darker along the back, and paler around the belly. Blue slotty are most often found in groups and work well together, at least better than red slotty. Okay, cool. Um, I just realized that um, Chris Strauss couldn't have watched Battletoads. Because it would have been before. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. Battletoads watched him. Damn it, Battletoads. You're so good. Um, Next is Green Slotty. So this tall, gangly creature looks like a cross between an ogre and a frog. Its skin is a mottled green and has long, sharp claws and a wide mouth. Green Slot is about 10 feet tall and very broad. It weighs about 1,000 pounds. As its name suggests, a green slot is mostly green, darker on the back, pale around the belly. Green Slotty are self-centered, arrogant louts that think only of themselves. They lust after magical power, eventually transforming into greys if they find it. Gray slotty are lean and quick-looking. This humanoid resembles a two-legged frog. Its skin is a dappled gray color. Its fingers are long and clawed. It stands as tall as a human, so smaller than any of the ones we've talked about thus far. A green slot that survives for more than a century retreats into isolation for at least a year. It returns as a smaller, leaner gray slot and devotes most of its time and attention to magical study. Gray slotty enjoy crafting magic items to further their own power. This is a lot. This is a lot of slotty stuff. Yes. They're doing a lot of stuff. Yes. Okay, so. Slotty are big. Like, this is a big monster. They're as big as demons or devils. No fucking or way. Eugoliths or, yeah. Like, you should see, like, the amount of stuff written about them. This this uh, thing I've written is 10 pages long. What? Okay, because I was like, dude, you were doo, doo, yeah, a small episode. Here's a monster again. Nope. It lives in the ice and it smashes stuff. Oh, nope. it eats trash. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. The greatest of all slotty, death slotty, are greys that undergo some mysterious ritual that transforms them into veritable killing machines. 
Although they have spell-like abilities like Grace Slotty, Death Slotty focus more on killing than on magical power. They look exactly like Grace Slotty. Um, all Slotty obey the command of a Death Slot out of fear more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Death Slotty represent a corruption of pure chaos by evil rather than true exemplars. I think I, I didn't finish that sentence. They look, they're the same shape and size as Grace Slotty, but they actually look like, well, there's two versions of them. One in which they're just kind of like black frogs. Okay. The other is like almost like they're made out of void. Oh, I see. They're like yeah. uh, not opaque. They're like translucent. Yeah, it's almost like you can look into them and see inside. You know. Yeah. They like, are. There void. might be a little vortex of stuff yeah. going on inside. But of them. I think that might be a fourth edition thing. Hey man. So, you know, it's a D and D thing. Indeed. We talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. It's true. Oh, this is a fifth edition oriented podcast, and we'll become true. a sixth edition oriented when podcast. It, God, can you imagine? Years from now. God. Like I will be. I love 5e so much that, and I don't see sixth edition happening anytime soon. Uh, why would it? I, yeah. I don't see but any, like what for? When it does finally, when we get to the to the point where it's coming, I'm probably gonna be very excited. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a whole brand new book with lots, lots yeah, of new art. Yeah, a new and, way of doing this thing I've been doing all my life. So yeah, yeah it so. seems like this is around for at least a while. I think so. Yeah, as creatures of pure entropy, slods exist to create disorder. Their hold on reality is tenuous at best. Their thoughts are clouded with maddening images, and they even seem aware of things beyond other creatures' perceptions. Some theories propose that Slotty view a reality different to the one that most beings are able to perceive. You see the fourth dimension and shit. Yeah. They are beings interested in the spread and triumph of chaos, seeing reality as too restrained by logic and sense, and quickly growing bored by torturous inactivity and uninteresting stability. While the more primitive Slot do this as a result of following their instincts— always striving after their own goals. Uh, those with greater intelligence, whether it be from mutation or caste, uh, pursue chaos deliberately. There's, some, uh, there's something uh, ringing in my head about the Shatter Kai up in here. Really? Why? I see a parallel here with their like need for speed, so to speak. Oh, yes. I yeah. see I see what you mean there. Where yeah. like, they can't sit still, but for a very different reason. And they're living in a fucked up place. Yeah, there's that too. The understanding of the minds of Slotty can be a maddening task for those that are sane, for few beings so willfully and completely embrace chaos as Slotty do. Attempts to trade and negotiate with them can be frustrating and flummoxing, as can attempts to give or obtain information and conduct even basic conversations. They refuse to see reason much of the time, often reacting with rage when approached with arguments and logic, even if being offered something beneficial to themselves. Uh, leading some to believe that Slotty are simply insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. and yes, That's they tracks. are. Absolutely. Flattery is seen as trickery, and trying to deceive a slot is an unreliable method of cooperation at best, said only to work if a slotty believes that the lie being told is some new aspect of reality being revealed to them. That is a concept uh, that borders on, like, paranoia at yeah. first, because it's like, oh, the bowlers do that and the dragons do that. And no, this is kind of different from that. Yeah, it is different <laughs> from that. Okay. Um, especially the, to grasp. like if you lie to them and they know you're lying, uh-huh. they see your lie is not a lie, but you're revealing a, a angle of a reality. Truth. That, yeah. A, a new truth that they were unaware of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're wild. They're crazy. Wow. Trying to diplomatically engage a slot is in short a fool's errand likely to get the would be negotiator attacked more than anything else. Slots make no bargains, accept no bribery, and ignore appeals for mercy. This is because slots do not recognize the traditional the traditional rules of diplomacy, following their own unique and rapidly changing strings of, strings of logic that only the particularly insightful can follow, indicated by differences in gestures, body language, and tone, along with changes in context and relationships between the parties that 
they were speaking about. So the adventuring party involved in this would have to clock the changes as they as come. A, in in real time. And so Otherwise a character trained in insight would be, be likely so to be rolling a lot of dice. Yes, absolutely. Or maybe you would just have them like for this next sequence of conversation, you're going to roll a die and we're mm-hmm. going to see how you do for the whole thing of it. Exactly. Or you make a roll when the thing is happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, you lost track of what's going on. Like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and failure to communicate with a slot can result in a wide range of random reactions and conclusions, such as believing the speaker isn't real, believing the opposite of what the they were saying is true running away from them in fear attacking the speaker with berserker rage or just making loud croaks until they go away it's like a dream like, like you'll yeah it's like a dream oh wow they act like they are dream entities it's just nonsensical there's so much here there's so much here <laughs> the slot are fun and i know i've never really introduced them to you in any of my games and no, you know we've uh-huh. never really talked about them um, here we are. But here we are. Yeah. Here we are in a brand new plane of its. It really are like its own thing. It feels yeah. like demons all over again for me. Yes. Yes. Very yeah, much so. Okay. <laughs> Is this my new thing? It might be. I can see this being a very you thing. Slaw um, D, the big frog with the fat ass <laughs> throwing it back. Oh, no. <laughs> Although slot behavior is often written off as being simply mad and nonsensical, <laughs> much of it follows a reason. Based in their alien culture, uh, cultural ideals for acceptable forms of interaction and a result of their chaotic environment. All right. While in limbo, slods are effectively needless, able to exist within it unharmed and requiring only food in order to live. As a result, slotty lack common concepts of possession, having no personal items and instead simply taking what they need when they need it. Because of this, slods believe that they own anything they can take. They revere those able to take the most in holding individual strength as one of, if not the greatest virtue. Many slods are obsessed with proving and improving their personal power and love conflict, seeing it both as exciting, chaotic clash of force and a chance to show off their strength. Might makes right. Yeah. So when stronger slods oppress and dominate their weaker brethren, it is not seen as an objectionable offense, but an acceptable activity. And in fact, the stronger slot exercising its due right, a cruelty so normalized that it's performed without passion or ceremony. This bizarre, unspoken social contract is something that slots extend to all other beings they interact with, treating others as tools to be used at their leisure and react strangely well at attempts to bully them since they view it as the only acceptable form of interaction. So if you're really mean to them yeah. or bully them, they're just like, yeah, of course you would. Like, why wouldn't you bully me? You're stronger than me. Like, they have a really weird mentality about it. So this is like the reason this is so much for me is because with the Fae, it's like, oh, it's blue orange morality. They might say this and do this and you... It was a lot of it was left up to the interpretation of whoever's going to be the dungeon master. Sure. It seemed like. Mm -hmm. But this is like, no, they like this. And it's weird and alien as fuck. And Mm -hmm. this is why it's weird and alien as fuck. And I'm like, that is strange. Yeah. (laughs) It is a strange thing to do or say. It is. Absolutely. Okay. So slods don't really have a society, uh, but they do have a loose association and hierarchy that can be most simply described as a form of anarchic tribalism composed of barbarian nomads. Okay. They do not make permanent homes and are always on the move, either searching for food or looking for chaos and violence. They rarely construct anything and obtain any required tools either from raiding other civilizations or forging for them. The targets of their pillaging are often the humanoid races that have made their way to limbo and established settlements, many of which banded together specifically to fend off slods. Mm. Slods have no respect for other cultures, speaking their own language and showing disdain for other tongues, although able to communicate telepathically when the need arises. They are loyal only to their own kind, but even then, rival gangs are always ready to rip each other to shreds, so they're not really that loyal. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I have some questions about 
Limbo. Yes. Um, isn't Limbo like the physical features of Limbo constantly in in, in flux. flux as well? Yes. So like, how do makes, people make establishments? Yeah. So I'll I know use the Gith do it. And the like, Gith do it because they hone their ability to harness chaos. Yes. They like make a construction for them to live in, like a wasn't it like a prism or whatever? They yeah, would just, like, they, in, they like they a keep, Yes. And they do this through like their sheer force of will. Right. Um, other settlements can be similar in that like anyone can learn to um, harness the the stuff of chaos. I can't, there's a name for it, and I'm sure it's going to come up in my notes later. But um, it takes a lot of training to do so. Right. I'm I'm not sure why people would come here. I mean, you okay. Actually, I can think of a reason. You might come here because this place is rich with raw materials if you can get the chaos to do what you want it to do. Okay. Like you could get all the gold in the world if you could get your hands on enough chaos stuff you could create a whole trade outpost i mean like D is riddled with oppression so like it doesn't it's not like so far away from the like mentality of people that want to like leave their oppressors and go out to yeah there's that as well like and that happens a lot in D. um i know like if i was more familiar with planescape i'd be able to tell you all about why people would come and live at limbo but and maybe in the limbo episode that we will eventually do i will i will have an answer for you see me in the comments planescapers <laughs> is that what they call them uh I, we yes now now it is planescapeites um what was i what was i saying though um so yeah that that's that's the people that would come to live here that oh, they would okay bring. so it's possible because of like mental fortitude to like make a yes, settlement here yes exactly uh, like hey that's a nice big rock with some grass growing on it or whatever mm-hmm. like floating out in the the waste or whatever i'm going to Really make sure it doesn't do anything weird. Yeah, anything dangerous or something like that, yeah. So your town elder or whatever is probably the dude keeping this shit right. I'm sure, like, it's a community effort. Anyone who comes here is coming here to do this, so, Mm. like, yeah. Maybe you have shifts of people that have to move in and keep the land together. Like, all right, man, you're week on. Exactly. See you in seven. Yes, that would be very much so how you'd have to do it. Cool. So, The death slotty are the closest the race has to leaders. Thought of, of, thought of as the most perfect specimens of their kind by other slotty, and so dutifully obeyed. They are the creatures responsible for directing the efforts of the slot as an entire race and inscribing the symbols of rank into the heads of other slots. Uh, because the closest the slotty come to lawfulness is their willingness to acknowledge and serve more powerful beings than themselves, the authority of greater slots typically only extends for as far as they can physically reach. Basically, like, they'll obey the death slot as long as the death slot's there, but yeah. once the death slot's gone, like, no rules. Yeah, dude, the death slot might never come back. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go back to doing whatever it was I was going to do. It's probably something new now. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? Indeed. All right. So let's talk about origins. Okay. How did the slotty come to be? Long ago, well, I, wait, do, do you have a, a theory? Yeah. Uh, frogs in limbo, baby. Who knows? They <laughs> ate radioactive Chaos. <laughs> and Long ago. The Battletoad got I, lost. I think, what are the Battletoads' names? I think it's like Wart and Pimple are their names. Or what the it? fuck? Yeah, I think that's their names. Well, luckily for us, I have the Battle Battletoads Toads. Wikipedia. Have you ever uh, heard of, uh, there are these, oh, man, I'm showing my age here. Have you ever heard of uh, the amazing uh, Dwayne and Brando? Uh, they were like a thing on YouTube for a while. No, it's a long time ago. What? It's, it They're like sounds like it's rap artists, but they rap about video games to the video game music. I feel like that's a thing. Anyways, yeah, they yeah. have a really good Battletoads song. Everyone listening to this should go check that out. A Battletoads by <laughs> who are they? Uh, uh, the amazing Dwayne and Brando. 
the amazing Dwayne and Brando. Can't believe we're talking about this. On Shout ourselves. out to the amazing Dwayne and Brando. Which one is uh, Amaiul and which one is Hethrodiah? Dwayne or Brando? I don't really know Dwayne or Brando that well. I'm going to say Dwayne is um, Hethrodiah. Okay, sure. I'm just going to go for that. And the other one is the other one. Are you going to continue looking that up or should I should I get back to the notes? I'm <laughs> trying to stall so I can find the names I of know. these motherfuckers. I see it and on it's, your face. It's not like, where is it? Okay. Series? It's talking a lot about video games You right do now. that. I'm going to continue. So long okay. ago, Primus, overlord of the Modrons, created a gigantic geometrically complex stone imbued with the power of law. He then cast it adrift into limbo, believing that the stone would bring order to the chaos of that plane and halt the spread of chaos to other planes. As the stone's power grew, it became possible for creatures with ordered minds such as Modrons and Githzerai to create enclaves in limbo. However, Primus's creation had an unforeseen side effect. The chaotic energy absorbed by the stone spawned the horrors that came to be known as Slotty. Sages refer to Primus's massive creation as the spawning stone for this reason. The Slotty wiped out every last Modron enclave in Limbo. As creatures of other chaos, Slotty loathed Modrons and attacked them on sight. Nonetheless, Primus stands by his creation and either doesn't perceive the Slotty as threats or chooses to ignore them. No, the Modrons, the ones that have that like crazy hierarchy that ends with like the god. Primus. Them? Yeah. Prime. Okay, that's what we were talking about. Yes. Sorry, I was looking at battle codes and not listening to what you were yeah. saying. I just need to catch up because that was a really cool thing that we covered um, <laughs> on the Canis, right? Is that where it was? Yes. Okay, okay. That was probably all there. So <laughs> Primus, Lord and Ruler of Mechanus, decided, fuck Limbo. That's way too chaotic. I'm all about law. So I'm going to make this super complex stone, like the size of like a fucking continent, and just throw it in there okay, and hope it brings order to chaos. And it kind of did because what they're saying here is that all these all these societies that exist within Limbo because they're able to control and order the chaos, they're saying that wouldn't be possible if the spawning spawn hadn't been sent in. And that's why it's Limbo because it's like back and forth between control and chaos. Sure, I, probably. So you can harness that control. Yeah. But if you don't keep it in check, it will be controlled or chaos for a time here and there right. in flux. So the... the the uh what's the word the drawback of this thing that primus did though is um it did create the slotty okay and yeah. the slotty rule the spawning stone which we're going to get into later um now primus doesn't see this as um a mistake or a problem and i think the reason is because like it sounds like limbo was the chaos was spreading and mm-hmm. so by doing this he stopped it from spreading nice so he's like slotty exists but whatevs i win yeah so, okay yeah. i've contained them yeah uh, all right, we got rash, zits, and pimple. I knew it straight I up, it and it was at the very top. And I just scrolled past that open opening thing. It's not listed anywhere else on this Wikipedia page. Trust <laughs> I mean, their me. names are quite irrelevant, honestly. But yes, rash, zits, and pimple. They're talking an awful lot about a lot of different other things, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, on this Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they are. Just so you know. Okay. Um, and not let's a lot get about back battletoads. back to limbo. So the spawning stone serves as the Slotty's primordial home and center of dominion. It is known by the gifts of is or cockle and by the his guardians as Slotheim. Uh, it is a place of untamed bestial savagery and lust covered gore and worse and inscribed with a mysterious script that seems to wriggle and change meaningfully meaningful only to the Slotty. It serves several purposes, primarily as a rallying point for the slot to meet and mate, as well as a storage location for food, weapons, and anything else the slotty find worth keeping. Uh, The stone drifts throughout Limbo, although there are varying reports about its exact shape and size. In some descriptions, it is geometrically complex, while others describe it as a mile-long, three-quarter, mile-long, wide slab. 
Okay. Um, at times it is said to be world multicolored sphere, and at other times a bent blue-gray horseshoe that flares out at the end. So it, it itself is always changing. Interesting. Okay. The interior of the spawning stone is said to be a said to be honeycombed with circular rooms where the death slotty inscribe the symbols of rank on the lower slots. Um, but all this is mere rumor as it is difficult to even try to see the spawning stone, aside from the fact that it is surrounded by a churning elemental vortices. Non-slotty are never allowed within miles of the spawning stone, and the slotty threaten anyone who tries with immediate death. Okay. What, what, wow. Don't you get near our... Fuck stone. <laughs> Slotty have two horrific cycles Gross. of reproduction. <laughs> they, uh-huh. they can reproduce either by... Impl- oh, man, it's it's really horrific. I forgot about this. They can reduce either by implanting humanoid hosts with eggs or by infecting them with a transformative disease called chaos phage. Uh-huh. With the first method, what? the parasitic eggs hatch within the humanoid host, and as each embryo grows, the host creature succumbs to madness. Left untreated, the embryo transforms into a slawed tadpole that burrows out of the host's skull, killing the host in the process. Typically, reproduction is done by the common slots, the red and blue. Red slotty specifically use the implanting eggs method, which births blue slawed tadpoles. Blue slotty, on the other hand, specifically uses the transformative disease method, slowly transforming their victims into red slots, leaving them with no trace of their memories or former skills. If either slot infects a capable arcane caster, the result could instead be a magically empowered green slot, generally more powerful than either of its parents. Somebody wrote this. Yes, yeah, I mean wrote you wrote this, this but like somebody so, wrote yes, this concept. Yes, absolutely. I know who it is. It's Chris Strauss. Char- Charles. Charles Strauss. Strauss. <laughs> yes. Oh, Chuck. Chuck. Chuck Strauss. Um, slot tadpoles born in a bath of blood are voracious, devouring vermin. Uh, corpses and anything else they can find, they will devour. Uh, unable to properly fight and concerned only with cramming food into their wide mouths, the deformed slot juveniles compensate, compensate for their vulnerability with an extremely fast metabolism and de- developmental phase. It only takes a few hours for their undeveloped hind legs to grow, their translucent tails to shrink, and their flesh to darken in a revolting molting process. And in just a few more days, they fully transform into a mature member of their species. This is wild. Yeah, this, this is so yeah. gross too. So like a mix of de- demons and aliens and yeah, it's, yeah, it's they're crazy. doing nasty frog stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Ugh, God. <laughs> frogs are gross. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. Don't at me. I like frogs. Uh, I used to catch them a lot as a kid. I like I mean, frogs and toads. I like fro- frogs fine. They're gross though. I don't think they're that gross. You can like things that are gross. I do like things that are gross, I suppose, but like some I don't think are frogs into, are one of them. Some some people are doing dark shit on YouTube, and YouTube is cool with it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> the spawning stone itself is able to produce slotty independent of slot breeding, and slots created by it all have a small fragment of the stone magically implanted in their brain. Even slots that aren't born from the stone will often end up with a gem as well, since they are instinctively drawn to the spawning stone and receive one upon coming into contact with it. The wow. gems contain the life force of the slots, but have no intrinsic value save for the ability to control the slot they are taken from if obtained. So they're making it clear that the slots are not the stone. This, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. but they are in, innately tied to the stone. Yeah. So slots must obey the wielder of their gem and cannot be magically controlled in any other way while subjugated thusly. It's highly dangerous to try and abuse the power of a slot stone, though, since a slot is unlikely to respond kindly to such a being if and when it breaks free. Okay. Threatening to break the gem can force a slot to fulfill three requests, but if not properly rewarded for their services, either with humans for them to take back to limbo or something else that they see as a great treasure, they will likely kill their controller after being released. 
Slods seeing their king controlled via their gem are likely to attack and eat the controller of their fellow slot. They don't take that shit kindly. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, are we going to read stats? I mean, is this a thing? Ah, that's up to you. No, there's a stat for every single slot. Okay. We're not going over all of them. This this episode will be like uh, hour 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So, I, get, I get why that's not a good You can thing. do the death one. That's the best one. I mean, it's the most powerful one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull that up in the meantime. All right. I'll... The exact lifespan of slots seems to vary. Slots slain in battle permanently die. Sometimes upon reaching a certain age or perhaps at pure random chance, a slot feels called to travel deep into limbo, having come to some instinctive realization to do so. Most never return and simply break down into their basal essences and dissolve into the primal chaos of limbo. But some return as higher forms of slots. This metamorphosis seems to exclude red and blue slots. So, slots possess dangerous levels of strength, able to rip apart most creatures with their magically empowered teeth and claws. They are also incredibly durable, possessing a healing factor strong enough that they can recover from near-lethal wounds and being resistant to a large array of elements including acid, cold, electricity, and fire, on top of being immune to sonic forces. Damn, so they're strong. Yeah, they're very strong. Some can even regenerate lost body parts, including some reports of their heads exploding and then reforming a short time afterwards. What? <laughs> Beyond that... They- <laughs> Beyond that, their chaotic nature lends itself to mutation, and certain slot mutations can grant a slot with unique abilities, such as petrifying gaze, a breath weapon, pustules of oozing or steaming toxins on their backs, and even greater magical powers. Goat legs that hang from its belly. Absolutely. Maybe maybe our beholder is actually a slot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stick around to the end of the episode if you want to uh, hear about our custom beholder. Indeed. Some slotty can also transform into <clears throat> the humanoid creatures from which they were originally spawned. Mm. So they can polymorph back, kind of. Yeah, I pulled up the stat block, and it was like, look at the spell list. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, there we For, go. Furthermore, Slotty have a special advantage on their home plane. They have the ability to control a substance called chaos matter, a, a, strange, primordial, a strange primal soup unique to Limbo composed of the basal elements of water, earth, fire, and air, but resembling none of its components. It is dry and hazy, yet fluid and opaque, a highly destructive stew that cannot be breathed and dissolves anything it touches. The strange substance floats throughout Limbo, unstable in its instability, oh my. Uh, constantly forming into mountains, meadows, water, and woods, and changing back at random. However, chaos matter can be stabilized when introduced to sentient thought, allowing it to be reshaped into solid ground, breathable air, plants, and even used to regulate gravity. Slotty, specifically, are born with an inherent mastery over chaos matter. I can't not just it was just called Chaos I know. Matter. I was like, oh, it has a name. Yeah, it's <laughs> Chaos Matter. Um, so not only are, like, it's not like they're born with an innate ability to, to um, manipulate it. Mm-hmm. They're born with an inherent mastery over it already. That's wild. So they don't have to learn shit. They just naturally can do it at expert level. Is this, are they not, they're, this is the dominant species in this. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. It's, it's them and the Gifts Arai, which they're enemies, but not as much as you would think they would be. It sounds like the Gifts Arai know how to, like, lock themselves up away yeah, from this exactly, bullshit. exactly, yeah. And, like, whoever else is yeah. out there is going to have to fucking figure it out. <laughs> true that, true yeah. that. So, Slod worship no gods and insistently believe that they were the first creatures born in the cosmos, which we, we know is absolutely not correct. Uh, <laughs> however, Slods do possess their own kind of pantheon, and and. and enigmatic group of revered eldritch entities known as the Slod Lords. The Slod Lords. <laughs> that sounds like a great like streaming show. It does. Neither deities or demigods, Slod Lords are more akin to demon lords or archdevils, supremely powerful manifestations of their kind with their own realms and special powers. When within limbo, they are similar in power to lesser deities, maintaining domain, domain stable even in their absence. 
While they are in a position to demand service from weaker slotty, most slot lords do not care to do so. Although less out of respect for their free will and more out of simple disinterest in having followers. When they do lord over the other slots, they do so in typical slot fashion, a combination of bullying and threats combined with lesser, less oppressive methods like cajoling them into desired behavior. Okay. I'm drink some of this water before we move on. I totally lost our spot in the notes too. Like mm. where, where the fuck are we? There's so much content. I'm going to click here and you could probably go find. Oh, my there it thing. is. Yep. yep. Got it. You're welcome. The only two slaw lords of any import are Yagoral, the Lord of Entropy, who is second in age and power to the other important slaw lord, Sendam, the Lord of Insanity. This is a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh card title. <laughs> Sendam completely lacks concern for the activities of the slawed race, thus making Yagoral the de facto ruler of Limbo. Yagoral has actual slawed worshippers and fanatics under his control, although almost all slaws follow his instructions regardless to avoid destruction. He makes few demands of, of the slods, but those demands he does have have a drastic impact on their kind as a whole, such as him ordering the Death Slotty to rally mobs of red and blue to invade other planes in order to perpetuate both their race and chaos itself. Okay. Um, the abilities of the slod lords are completely shrouded in mystery, another result of Yagoral's dictates. Yagoral believes, perhaps correctly, that if knowledge of the slod lords became too widespread, that they would be treated with the banality that accompanied familiarity— treated as another cast of slot and forced to fend off beings from across the plains wishing to prove their strength. Anyone asking about slot deities is to be devoured, and Yagoral himself has consumed any slot close to becoming a slot lord themselves in order to keep their numbers low and perpetuate their rarity. Thus, the process of becoming a slot lord is barely understood by individuals in the world of D&D. It is understood from a DM's perspective, though. So, when slods ascend to higher ranks, they consequently have the power to pursue their own desires more freely and are able to better define themselves as individuals. In order to obtain true freedom, slods have to become truly unique individuals by completely escaping the ranks of their kind. To do this, a slod must tap into an aspect of chaos unexplored by any other slod lord. This can be as simple as destruction, as benign as creativity, or as malevolent as murder. The process is said to be incredibly dangerous, but if done successfully, the slod will infuse themselves with power and purpose, becoming a personification of their own particular flavor of chaos with no resemblance to the common slods. The limitation of slod lords or how many can exist is unknown as a result of Yagoral's tampering. Jeez, so basically homebrew some slods up. Yes, absolutely. For your slod bosses. And like you get to, you know, you know how like you have the demon lords of undeath, the demon lord of lies, the demon lord of this and that. Yes. Like that with the slod lords, except for you pick like chaotic uh, attributes. And they can be like good ones like creativity or bad ones like murder. So I think that's really cool. You can have a lot of fun with that. There's probably slod with big butt cheeks. I'm sure, it back. I'm sure there is. <laughs> oh gosh. The slod lord of twerking. The slod lord of twerking that ass. Okay. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, you any questions about slods? No, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. I don't have to question you. True that, true that. <laughs> okay, well, why don't you uh, read us a stat block for the death slot then? Oh, yeah. I was like, so this is the biggest and baddest of all the slots okay. that we have written out. Yeah, we got the death slot, uh, medium aberration, shape changer of chaotic evil with an armor class of 18 natural armor and hit points of 170 or 20d8 plus 80. Not as high as I thought it would be. With a speed of 30 feet walk and probably got a good jump. Yeah, probably. You got them frog legs? Yes, I do. You got them frog legs. Got them big digits. Strength is 20. Dex 15. Buff. Constitution Bashed. 19. Buff. This is intelligence 15. Very smart. Not wise. Average wise. Average wisdom of 10. And a charisma of 16. Yeah. This is brutal. Yeah. It's a this big... is a player character. It's better than most player characters. It's better by than a lot of player shot. characters. Yes. This is well, this is a high level player character that yeah. bumps. No, strength. it's better than even that. Because look, it's got good stats across the board. Like most player characters can't pull that off. Yeah, like the they rules. got rid of their minus one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. is a superhero. Okay. Uh skills, Arcana plus six, perception plus eight, damage resistance to acid, cold, fire, lightning, and thunder, with blind sight of sixty feet and dark vision of sixty feet as well. Is limbo well lit, or there, I bet there's like plasma it's one of those, orbs flying around? It's one shit, of those huh? things where like it is lit, but from no particular source. Mm. It just is lit. Okay. Yeah. Lit as fuck. It's getting wasted. Uh, language is a slot and telepathy of sixty feet. This is a challenge rating ten monster. Yep. Shape changer. Uh, the slot can use its action to polymorph into a small or medium humanoid or back into its true form. Its statistics, other than its size, are the same in each form. Any equipment it is wearing or carrying isn't transformed. It reverts to its true form if it dies. It's mm. just a better version of, of Polymorph, really. Yeah. Uh, innate spellcasting. The Slod's innate spellcasting ability is Charisma. Spell save DC 15 plus 7 to hit with spell attacks. Pretty good. The Slod can innately cast the following spells requiring no material components. At will, detect magic, detect thoughts, invisibility on self only, and mage hand, as well as major image. And twice a day, they can say, see, the monsters never really get away from the twice a day, once a day stuff that Fori did. Yeah, you got to remember, like, the monsters are, they're built with the with the idea that you're probably going to see this guy once. Yeah, he will die. Because he's going to die, die at the end, yeah. right? So it's like, we need a limit to how many things that can pop off, but also, like, they're expected to pop off all their stuff before they die. That's the idea, I think. You know, big bigger monsters 
they get away and stuff too. They do. They're recurring enemy. They do. So okay. Well, I, I'm not really trying to make a point or anything. No, no, I'm I understand. Just making what you an observation. Mean. Yeah. Uh, two a day. They can do fear, fireball, fly, and tongues. All very good. Fly mm-hmm. probably comes in really handy from mm-hmm. jumping from floating rock to floating rock. Um, once a day, they can do cloud kill and plane shift. They just do a nasty frog fart. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah, you Absolutely. thought it was gonna be coming out the mouth or something, yeah. huh? No, no. no. Piranha That's plant style. Nasty. Yeah, sure. From Smash Brothers. I don't know if Piranha Plant actually does that in a Mario game. Uh, that is not Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers a Mario game? It's Mario's in it. It's a game. It's a game. Uh, magic resistance. The slot has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Magic weapons. The slot's weapon attacks are magical. It doesn't say that it needs a magic weapon. It just says the slot's weapon attacks are magical. Yes. So it just becomes Oh, magic. most of it's, it's going to use claws. Yeah. So okay. they're magical. Although I was thinking like if it decided to pick up a sword or whatever. Or like, yeah. Uh, like it rips a, a street pole out of the ground and like a stop sign or whatever. And well, so, I mean, you. we'll say that its arm is magical strength. You know what I mean? So it's hitting you with an object with their magical buff arms. Is magic, is magical damage just like regular damage, but more powerful? Is that what you're inferring here? I think sometimes it is. I think other times it's okay. not. Because uh, I was thinking like I picked up this spear and mm-hmm. fused it with magic and yeah. threw it at you. Like, the weapon became magical as long as I was holding it. I see. I, I don't think that works for slots. I think it's more like that they are magical, so the things they do... That's kind of what I'm punch saying. Punch through yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Got it, got it. Okay. The slot re- or regeneration. Uh, the slot regains ten, 10 HP at the start of its turn and has at least one hit point, or if it has at least one hit point. So um, this does not have any caveat on it in terms of, like, well, a troll would with mm. fire Yeah, uh, and other various creatures yeah uh variant control gem uh oh yeah the the way to control them implanted in the slot's brain is a magic control gem Uh, the slot must obey whoever possesses the gem and is immune to being charmed while so controlled certain spells can be used to acquire this gem if the slot fails its saving throw against imprisonment the spell can transfer the gem to the spellcaster's open hand instead of imprisoning the slot a wish spell if cast in the slot's presence can be worded to acquire the gem a greater restoration spell cast on the slot destroys the gem without harming the slot. Somebody who, or someone who is proficient in wisdom, parentheses medicine, can remove the gem from an incapacitated slot. Each try requires one minute of interrupted work and a successful DC 20 wisdom medicine check. That's high. Yeah. Uh, each failed attempt deals 20. Well, think about it. They're constantly regenerating, so like, yeah, yeah. it'd be difficult to to get to it. I mean, it's this is a high-level encounter. This yes. is a very high-level encounter. Definitely so. Even as a challenging ten, it seems stronger than that. And I think as it should, because it's the strongest of the slods, and if you were comparing it to demons or devils, that thing's weak. Yeah. So uh, when we're talking about like the most powerful of demons and devils. Um, so I think when people think about wild magic sorcerers, a lot of times they lean kind of more fey, mm-hmm. but like limbo... That's wild. The realm of chaos. Wild as fuck. You can have a slot sorcerer. I think that'd be really cool. I really like all that stuff up yeah. in Limbo and Mechanus mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. Those, those are cool. Those are cool spots. Yeah, it would be cool uh, reflavoring of a lot of wild magic stuff to make it more like Toad or slot related. I think that could be mm, fun. Nasty. I got actions, bro. I haven't even. Oh, read you haven't the got attack. to actions. Let's hear it. I got the multi attack where the slot makes three of those bad boys: one with its bite and two with its claws or yeah. great sword. So now we it does have a great sword on it. <laughs> So is the great? It doesn't say the great sword. It doesn't say magical great sword. So yeah, yeah. It's the slot. Slot's doing it. Yeah. Bite. Um, slot form. 
only. Melee weapon attack is plus nine to hit. I was like, why do they need to say that? Oh, because it's shape changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, me- uh, melee weapon attack plus nine to hit. Reach of five feet, one target. It's going to do nine or 1d8 plus five. Piercing damage plus seven, 2d6 necrotic damage. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the claws. Uh, melee weapon attack plus nine to hit reach five feet one target it's going to do 10 or 1d10 plus five slashing damage plus seven 2d6 necrotic damage the great sword is a melee weapon attack plus nine to hit reach of five feet one target it's going to do 12 or 2d6 plus five slashing damage plus seven 2d6 necrotic damage that is interesting and it's not the sword it's a slide mm-hmm. source uh yeah we got we got that out of the monster manual obviously. so it makes three of either that. of those attacks it's going to make uh, one with its bite and two with its claws or greatsword. So it's going to be bite, slash, slash, or okay. slash, slash. Gotcha. Okay. Maybe stab, stab. Who knows? Uh, yeah, that's it for the slot. Pretty fucking dank for... Uh, I know this is the best of them, right? Yes. So then you have the foot soldiers. They obviously cascade The reds and the down. blues, yeah. Right. I think the greens and grays are more spellcastery. Death slot, because the color of death is what you will see. Indeed. After you see it. All right. It's time to take a long rest. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the long rest, the part of the episode where we get ready for bed, put on our slippies with our faces on them. And uh, just to be clear, I don't have two slippies that have my face on them. I have one Will, one me, and Will has one one Will, one me. So Yeah. You know, we'll go it, with that. It's the fantasy us also. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so today we're finishing a beholder. We're gonna finish our second beholder. And this one, I, I love Cruel Isabel. I thought he was a magnificent. This thing she. is she. Sorry, yeah. I thought she was magnificent. This thing they. is far beyond what Cruel Eyes ever was. If if there were they them pronouns to be put in place for one of the two, it would be this one. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so which do you want to start with, the feature or the beam? Uh, let's start with the feature. Okay, go ahead. Um, it was a slot stone. Yeah, but what does that look like? It just has a slot. It's just stone like gemstone with like weird slottish script on it. Okay, his forehead. Yeah. That, I think that's a cool feature. We're gonna slap that gem on yeah. the forehead of like. Okay, instead of a blowhole, it's got a fucking. It's got a chaos. It's got gem. a chaos gem in it. Yeah, this absolutely. is good. It uh, it lets off chaos steam. Indeed, um, indeed, it does. So it's got a big eye and then a gem above it. Yes. Yeah, like absolutely. a third eye almost. Yes. Like and then this. for its for its ray, we were giving it a chaos phage ray, where the person hit with this ray has to make a saving throw and or get infected with chaos phage. If that is not medically treated, they will become a red slot. God damn, it's straight <laughs> up alien shit. Okay, um, so that completes the beholder. Now we gotta name it. We already did. Well, we did name Let's it. Not but lie. Sh- before we say the name, should we like go step by step of how we came up with the name, or should we just say the whole name? That was fun. And then explain. That it. was that was fun. Yeah. We let's just let's just recap. Let's do a, okay. like a synopsis so, of what happened before we hit record. So I mentioned that this thing was basically like a half spider, half dolphin. Dolphin, and then Brian said it's an arachnopod. Yeah, and I was like, that's great. We can, maybe we'll call it the arachnopod. That is how that went. And down. then oh, and then I said, well, it's got this beam that can create. With T-800s? Well, we were in a source for a while looking up different words for I. That's true. Because fuck Ray's Romano. This is way better. Um, so the, we so want to work a Terminator thing into it. We didn't get it. We didn't really get anywhere with the source. So we jumped back into our like our notes mm-hmm. of what is, has gone on, what has transpired here with this creation mm-hmm. of this monstrosity. And yes, we wanted to work. We wanted to work Terminator. We talked a little bit about Terminator mm-hmm. and the lore of Terminator. Yes. Uh, and the difference between models of Terminators. Yes, we did. Um, so we settled on uh, naming this thing Skynet with uh, Sky spelled S-K-E-Y-E, S-K-E-Y-E in honor of its beholderness. Lowercase S, um, capital 
case I. And we we also noted that one of its most potent powers was was its beam of ultimate mercy, which can heal or kill. It heals, but it kills more than it heals. Yeah. Um, oh, did we? Uh, uh, did you address the net part of it? Like why we? Sky, oh, and Sky the net. net part because it does it, do a web. It beam. does a web beam. Yeah. That's, so it is a thing. Skynet. Skynet. The merciful. Yes. For the mercy beam. Skynet for Terminator, but then there's a bunch of jokes in the one word. Yes. So exactly. I for I for beholder. Beholder. And then net for net the web for the beam. web beam. And then S because that's how you spell Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, then we said on the merciful to honor its ultimate mercy beam. Yeah. Um. So our final name is. Skynet, Skynet the, the Merciful, Merciful the Arachnopod, the, yes. the sequel, the sequel. That has to be the sequel because um, we already made a beholder. It's a sequel to Cruelize. It's a sequel to Cruelize the Ville. The Skynet the, the, the Merciful. Skynet the Merciful, the Arachnopod. Skynet the Merciful. Skynet the Merciful, the Arachnopod, the sequel. Yes. And that is the name of our custom beholder. Hobbleman, can't wait. We definitely gave you uh, a curveball there at the end with the dolphin shape. Sorry about that. Yeah. So um, at this rate, I think we're going to finish four of these bad boys by the end of the year because this is, I think, our first June episode. That's month six. We've managed to fit two in six months. We could probably fit the two more by well, the end we of the year. I mean, there's 52 weeks a year. We don't really miss shows. So, no, no, um, definitely not. So a, a point of pride for us. Mm. Uh, so we will get four. Yeah, we we're going to get, get four, four and change, sure. I think. And I... If we can, if we make something more horrendous than this, I'm gonna be shocked. Maybe at the end with the leftover weeks, we can make like a gazer or something. I like, like that idea. Like because cool we won't have a whole beholder. No, Maybe we, we can do make a, like a we, fucked up one. Yeah, we can do a gazer. <laughs> I like that. All right, guys. Uh, I think uh, I think we can call it a game. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we gotta plug stuff. Like, okay. Check out our check out our Discord where the Hobble Man uh, is going to draw our custom beholder. Has he been doing it lately? He's been doing it. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen any of it yet. I mean, Artapalooza is amazing. It's I amazing I will thread. have to go check it out though. So I'm in that channel all the okay. time. Uh, yeah, you guys can go to the Artapalooza on our Discord on our Discord and check that out. Hobble Man is one of the uh, the the mods, and mm-hmm. he is in there drawing this beholder for us. He drew Cruel Eyes as well. Yes, he's and that was amazing. I saw steps. that one. Yeah, yeah. He's, he he updates it as we go, which Indeed. is really fucking cool. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Thank you, Hobble Man. Love your work. Yeah, man, you're awesome. Um, <laughs> we've actually played D and D with Hobble Man. Yes, and he was awesome there as well. It's great stuff. <laughs> it's all great. He's a great guy. You guys are all great in the Discord. Thank you so much. Uh, check out our Twitter or Instagram where we periodically give away stuff and post updates and news and things like that. Uh, Twitter, same thing. Will's putting up polls to see who wants to uh, weigh in on everything you need to know. So please check that out on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is starting to diversify a little bit more from our normal podcasting schedule. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, there'll be some changes and stuff. So keep an eye out over there and check out um, SuperQuest Saga. Indeed, our that, actual that, play live game and yeah. other podcasts, which is also on YouTube. And then we're we're looking at like eight more months of this show before it's finally finished too. Yes, and we will do another campaign afterwards. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Works. Very um, sad for that too. Yeah, well, we'll talk more about that in like I don't know five months. Yes. All right, let's we call will it a game. Call it a game. Bye. Talk to you guys later. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.